0: Hello and welcome to Folklore of the Universe, voted the 47th most magical podcast in the county. I'm your host, Kyle. Welcome to episode 7. You may be wondering, Kyle, why is the episode out this week? What happened to the episode last week? Don't worry, there is no time warp dilation thing going on. Although if there was, I guess we wouldn't notice it, would we? Because, like, we perceive time at the same... Like, the same bit, so if it goes slower, we just... we think. We go slower, too, so it's like, the same, um, I think. I don't know how time works, like, at all, so I'm probably wrong about that. Also, I better be careful, because if I get too deep into this, that creepy clock guy from Don't Hug Me I'm Scared is gonna show up, and nobody wants that. That's just bad news for everyone. Alright, holy shit, that was a tangent. Uh, getting back to the point, I'm gonna be switching from an episode a week to an episode every two weeks. Because episode a week, you know, it was, it was a thing, but it was a lot to do in not very much time. And I'm getting sort of busy now with things, so hopefully this will be easier to do, doing one every two weeks. And in theory, having more time to do it means I can put more work into it and it will be better. I mean, that's not going to happen. I'm going to procrastinate and do it last minute like I always do. But in theory, it could become better. And who knows, maybe it actually will. Maybe some magic will happen. Because if we've learned anything from all these folklores, that anything can happen. Maybe I just need a frog. I'll just get a frog and that'll that'll work out all those shoes, and we'll be golden. So, episode 7. This is going to be sort of a special episode because 7 is sort of a special number in mythology and folklore. I mean, you're probably familiar with that, and you, know, you can't turn around without bumping into the goddamn number seven. It's everywhere. Almost every major religion and minor religion and mythology has sevens in it. Seven of so and so, seven of this, seven of that. It's just a really, really common number. And that affects things even now. I mean, just look at the week. Seven days. Boom, there we go. There's a lot of theories as to why seven is such a prevalent number in everywhere, why people are so intrinsically drawn to it. One is that, just because it's a prime number, that makes it more interesting to people. It's also sort of a unique prime number among the single digits, because 3 and 5, for example, both divide into other things really easily. Most, a lot of numbers can be divisible by those. But 7 is sort of an oddball, it's a bit weirder than those other two, so it may attract people's attention to it. From a psychological perspective, there's also a theory that seven matches our attention spans and our memory capacities. So you can easily remember seven things, like a phone number, but eight things is harder to remember by a lot. So there's this theory that psychologically seven just works well with how our brains are wired. And also, holy shit, are we just reaching the end of the intro music? I don't think that's ever I don't think I've ever rambled enough to get there before. Okay, that's in a milestone. Um, back to numbers. One major tie-in we see with the number seven is with constellations, because constellations often tie a lot to myths and legends, because people like the stars, because they're pretty pretty. And one in particular, the Pleiades, is typically seen as a cluster of seven stars, which is reflected in a lot of mythology systems. For example, in Greek mythology, the uh, Pleiades are seven sisters who are turned into the star constellation. Or in Norse mythology, there are seven chicks, or, you know, baby chickens, who are owned by Freya. Or here's another fun fact. Uh, in Japan, the constellation is called Subaru, and the Subaru logo, the stars, are actually the Pleiades constellation. So because of this tie-in with the Pleiades and the number seven, uh, the folk stories we're going to look at today are going to revolve around the Pleiades. I'm not going to do any of the Greek or Abrahamic ones, because I think people will be more familiar with those. Instead, what I'm going to do is I'm going to do several Native American folk stories, which revolve around the Pleiades and the Devil's Tower, and then I'm going to do a Thai folk story, and that's going to be the episode. And because it's episode 7, who knows, maybe this one will be magic, good luck, powers... one. So, buckle yourselves in, and the first story we have is a Kiowa one. Before the Kiowa came south, there were camps on a stream in the far north, where there were a great many bears, many of them. One day, seven little girls were playing at a distance from the village and were chased by some bears. The girls ran toward the village, and the bears were just about to catch them when the girls jumped on a low rock about three feet high. One of the girls prayed to the rock. Rock, take pity on us. Rock, save us. The rock heard them and began to grow upwards, pushing the girls higher and higher. When the bears jumped up to reach the girls, they scratched the rock, broke their claws, and fell on the ground. The rock rose higher and higher. The bears still jumped up at the girls until they were pushed up into the sky, where they are now, seven little stars in a group. In the winter, in the middle of the night, seven stars are right over this high rock. When the people came to look, they found the bears' claws, turned to stone, all around the base. No Kiowa living has ever seen this rock, but the old men have told about it. It is very far north where the Kiowa used to live. It is a single rock with scratched sides. The marks of the bears' claws are there yet, rising straight up very high. There's no other like it in the whole country. There are no trees on it, only grass on top. The Kiowa called this rock Soa, a tree rock, possibly because it grew tall like a tree. The End This story is another one of those explanation stories. So this explains three things. First, why the Devil's Tower looks the way it does and why it's there. Second, why the Pleiades Star Cluster is there in the sky. And third and most importantly, where the story probably comes from, is why the Star Cluster aligns with the rock in wintertime. If you look up pictures of Devil's Tower on the internet, you can definitely see why this story came into place, because it does look like there's these big scratches all down the sides. It also does kind of look bark-like, the outer bit. It could look, it could look like it could be a giant petrified tree, so that ex- also explains where that name came from. It should be noted that this name for it is something of an outlier. Many other Native American groups, their name for it is something related to Bear Lodge, or House of the Bears. So there is this very common theme among many Native American groups that this is tied to bears. Again, I presume this is partially because a lot of bears live, or at least used to live, in this area. And also because, again, it does look like a bear has been scratching at it. A very, very large bear. Also, you may have noticed that it mentions that the Kiowa aren't around this rock anymore and haven't seen it in a long time. This is because the Kiowa used to live around the area, but in the 1600s they migrated south into the Rocky Mountain areas. It is interesting how much the story has persisted after being away from the rock for so long, and also how widespread stories of this rock are among many different Native American groups. Which does make sense, because it is a very stunning and iconic landmark. If you look at it, pictures online, it's very cool looking, and also very unusual looking. Which is probably why aliens and sci-fi movies like it so much. Who knows? And now actually, to compare to this story, you are going to look at another one, which is um, also related to Devil's Tower and bears. And this story is an Arapaho one. An Arapaho lodge was camped at Bear's teepee. The father of this lodge was a head lodge and had seven children, five boys and two girls. The two girls had made an arrangement between themselves that the one who found the end rib bone of a bison should receive the most favors from the brothers. The boys often made trips to other tribes. After a long search, one of the girls found an end bone of a bison, but picking it up she turned into a bear and made some big scratches on her sister's back. The bear girl told her sister, If you tell, the dogs will howl, and this will be a signal so we will know that you have told. The sister did tell her brothers, and when they heard the dogs howl and give the signal, they were scared and started to run. The bear girl heard the signal and ran after them. The girl who had told was carrying a ball in her hand, which she dropped and accidentally kicked. The ball bounded up on the big high rock. The bear girl reached over her sister's shoulders to grab the ball, slipped, and made very big scratches on the big rock and fell onto her sister and broke her sister's chest. The bear girl climbed to the top of the big high rock and told her family that there would be seven stars in the shape of a diamond appear in the east. She said the first star out would be off to one side and would be brighter than the other stars. The first star would be called Broken Chest Star. From this time on, the Arapahos called this big high rock Bear's Teepee. The End. Besides a few details, this one is pretty different from the first story we looked at. There's still the aspects of the Bear clawing up the mountain rock and making it look all clods like that and the seven children being tied to the Pleiades star cluster but besides that there's not much that's the same in this one we get the old favorite of people being turned into animals which should just be a standard by this point we should just be used to it as far as the explanation story goes this one is a bit different in that it's more explaining why things have the names they do there's the one exception of explaining why Devil's Tower has the claw marks down the sides, but mostly is explaining why the stars in that star cluster have the names they do, and why Devil's Tower is called Bear's Teepee. I think these stories next to each other are very interesting to look at because, again, of the similarities and also the differences between them. But I can't really think of much else to say about these, so we're gonna move on now to our final story. This is a Thai folk story, and this one is called Dao Luke Kai. In English, that means the Seven Chicks. There once was an old couple who lived in a small hut set in a grove of fruit trees. They tended to their fruit trees, raised a few chickens, and survived. Both husband and wife were devout. They meditated often and each morning. When they arose, they would prepare some food to offer the monks. But one evening, the old woman seemed worried. Dear husband, what are we going to offer the monks tomorrow? Her husband was unconcerned. Why do you worry over such a small matter? We have plenty of fruit on our trees. There are plenty of fish in the river. There's plenty of rice in the fields. Why worry? Oh, my dear husband, cried the old woman. Didn't you notice? We've eaten all the ripe fruit in the garden. Those fruits which are left are too small to eat. The bananas are just starting to grow. Some of the trees are only blooming. There's no fruit at all ripe enough to eat. Tomorrow when the monk stops in front of our house, we'll not have anything to offer him. There are not many people on our street who offer food for the monks. I see. You are worried that the monk may go hungry tomorrow. Yes, that is it. I am worried that tomorrow the monk may have no food to eat. He may only have water for his hunger. I do not want him to starve. The old man was quiet for a while. Then he slapped his leg and exclaimed, I know what we can do. My dear wife, tomorrow we can kill our hen and use its meat to prepare food for the monk. The old woman was shocked and reluctant. This hen was her pet. She did not want to kill it. Still, she did not want the monk to go hungry. The old man consoled her. Don't hesitate, my dear wife. We have good intentions in this. We have a good reason for killing our pet. We are making merit by offering food to the monk. It is a proper thing to do. We ourselves will not eat the chicken's meat at all. Now the mother hen, who lived under the hut, heard all that was said between the old couple. She knew with certainty that she would be killed in the morning. She knew she must provide for the food for the monk. This she could bear, but she cried for her six children. Kuk kuk, my children, darlings, listen to me carefully must teach you for the last time. Tomorrow I am to be killed. This is necessary, in order that the old couple can provide food for the monk. Now listen and remember. Please love each other. Do not quarrel. Do not separate. Unite all of you. She was so distressed that she could not say anything else. The six children ran under the hen's wings and cried, Oh, mother, dear mother, how can we live without you? The hen embraced all six of her children. She told them lovingly, Dears, tomorrow when they come to take me away, do not worry, do not be sad, I will die for a good cause. You are still too small to go out alone into this world. Remember do not wander too far from home. Beware of the eagle, be careful, and do not play in the old couple's vegetable garden. Do not go into their hut or they will strike you. Be good children, and look for your food under the hut and around the hut. Make yourselves lovable, so the old couple want to keep you as their pets. The mother hen taught her children until late that night. All the things that young chickens must know, she taught them. Then, as the sun arose, the mother hen embraced her six chicks and said, "'Dears, please be good. I must now go to be killed so that the old couple can prepare my meat for the monk. Pray for me, and pray that we will meet again as mother and daughters in our next lives. Pray that we will be born and live very long lives later. Because I am so willing to die for the monk and for our owners, I believe we will be granted our wish.' The mother hen began to walk away from them, but she ran back one more time to embrace each of her daughters. The six chicks sobbed quietly. They said, Once her mother is dead, who is going to look after us? Who is going to teach us what to do and what not to do? Who is going to dry our tears? Upstairs, the old man and the old woman had risen early to prepare the fire and boil the water so they could cook the hen. As soon as the water was boiling, the old man came down to catch the hen. When the six chicks saw her mother plunged to her death in the boiling water, they could not contain themselves. They ran to the pot, and jumping in after their mother, all six chicks died with her. Because of their love for each other, because of their courageous act, because of their willingness to die so their bodies could provide meat for the ordained monk, and because of their fervent wish to be born again as a family, these chicks and their mother were born again as stars. They became a constellation of seven stars and were placed together in the sky. At night, you can see them high in the Thai sky. Dao Luk Kai, the seven chicks they are called. Look for them if you ever visit Thailand the end. So, holy shit, that's a, that's a pretty brutal story. Like, we've seen some brutal ones, but that that's up there. Of course, I am saying that from a Western perspective. From a Buddhist perspective, it might be a bit less brutal. They mention in the story that they're earning merit for their good deeds. In Buddhism, merit is this force you get from doing good deeds, and it ensures a, or at least helps you get a better reincarnation in your next life versus karma, which you accumulate from doing bad things, which gets you a worse reincarnation in your next life. And the ultimate goal of Buddhism is to reincarnate higher and higher until you reach per nirvana which is, you know, the end goal there. So from a Buddhist pers- perspective, the story is about, you know, the old couple, they do a good thing by feeding the monks, so they get more merit, and the chickens do a good thing by sacrificing themselves, so they get more merit. So really everyone technically wins in the grand scheme of things. In the short term though it is still pretty damn brutal. I think one takeaway that probably wasn't intended but that I take away is that if your partner says to sacrifice your pet you dump their ass. Don't don't go through with that. You take your pet like your chicken or your whatever and you you go somewhere else and just chill out with them. Now, obviously, there are some similarities between this and the Kiowa story we looked at first. Well, there's one similarity, and that's entities being transformed into stars, specifically the same star cluster. I think it is very interesting how universal this idea of living things being turned into stars seems to be, because it features prominently in Greek mythology, and we've just seen it also shows up in some Native American stories and also in Thai stories you know, way over in Southeast Asia, so it does seem to be a very universal human concept of stuff getting turned into stars, and that's where the best stars come from. And again, this story seems to be influenced by the star cluster itself, because that's why there are seven chickens in the story, to match up with the seven stars. You know, not the other way around. Well, maybe the other way around, who knows. For all we know, the stars are actually just the eyes of giant space goats. Just checking us out at the mall doing some shopping one of them's the space goat mall cop you know making sure no one tries anything funny the rest they're just they're just shopping though as the stars I don't that's probably not true though they're probably just balls of whatever stars are made out of nuclear explosions and fire I think anyway because we've got the star cluster of the seven stars that may reinforce the importance of the number seven in humanity or alternatively, it could be the other way around. So that Star cluster could be seen as important because it has seven stars. Really, there's no way to know which one it is. It could be both. It could depend on the culture, but it is an interesting thing to think about. But that is all I have. So you can think about that while you're waiting for the next episode. It's going to be out in two weeks now. It might come out a day early because I'm going to have to do some traveling Maybe. I don't know. We'll see. It'll come out at some point in the future, before the world ends, probably. But I've been your host, Kyle. I hope you've enjoyed this episode. If you have, please leave some feedback and send it around to all your buddies. You know, share it, word of mouth, that sort of thing. And that is all. So, I will see you next time, and goodbye.